Hello and welcome to the Groove Sofa podcast. I'm Alice. And I'm Lucy. And together we want to invite guests to come and share their grief with us. Our aim is to cover a whole range of grief from a whole range of people. We're sorry for your loss, but we are glad that you have found us. Thank you for listening to the Groove Sofa podcast. In today's episode, we speak to Rebecca, who is a holistic hypnotherapist and breathwork facilitator. We speak of her career in holistic healing following the death of her brother Jack to suicide, the practices she uses to connect with him day to day and the decisions she makes due to the signs he leaves. My name is Rebecca, um, but Becky, and I'm from Berkshire in the UK. Um, I've been living in Australia on and off for the uh, last 13 years and then now I've been living in Bali for the last year and a half. And um, so three years ago, I lost my little brother, Jack, to suicide. Um, and we were living in Australia together. Jack was 28 years old. I was, I was 29. It was just a couple of days shy of my 30th birthday. And I was the one to be there, like, find my brother um, at his house. Mm-hmm. And um, we, from there, I mean, completely like flipped my entire life on its head um and mm. since then I kind of I went it was quite quite self-destructive I think for the first sort of six months and uh everything was just a shock and turmoil and I just had so many coping mechanisms to try and help me sleep and all that kind of thing and then it was about six months after that um I decided to go into grief counseling and therapy but that whole period of time, I'd had so many encounters with my brother in spirit um, and like three meditations and I'd seen him, heard him, felt him around. And I was really starting to trust and believe that there was life after death. But at the same time, like society and the world and friends and family, you know, it, was, it wasn't really well received. It was kind of more like, aside from my dad actually, but it was more, um, kind of try as if it was a longing more than a truth and that of course mm-hmm. it would be something that someone would want to believe rather than actually know just know that that was the truth if that makes sense um and so I ended up leaving sort of conventional therapy after a while as I wasn't really making much progress which I know a lot more about now than I did back then um and so I took more of a spiritual healing path and I had uh, numerous spiritual teachers across the world and that's kind of kick-started like a, a two and a half year like big spiritual healing journey for me um, and my dad but then also now is what I facilitate and work with um, suicide loss survivors um, and occasionally with suicide prevention as well but it's just been a wild ride I mean because this is never what I thought I was going to be doing with my life mm. um, and was nothing that I'd ever really had much experience with but from where I am now to, to where I was back then is just remarkable really because uh, I don't know if you guys know but like suicide rates within the family unit are extremely high after they've lost somebody to suicide as um, mm. they, they say it's contagious pretty much because I think for many reasons a lot of people also want to check out after they've lost to, to suicide uh, like like guilt shame blame uh, and anything that's ultimately like a sudden death or a shock you know and even um, with natural causes and things like that I think a lot of people 
desperately want to be with their loved ones and go and look after them or you know go go see them and that kind of thing that obviously uh, equates to the suicide rates being a lot higher um and what we're seeing now is like a, a pandemic i guess you could call it is the the highest suicide rates that um have been recorded since world war ii so huge and especially with COVID and everything that's been happening as well. Wow that's incredible and it's amazing we were talking just yesterday actually to someone about that um, the strength that you find in the death of a loved one and using that vulnerability to kind of expose yourself and then open other people up to expose their vulnerability as well and I think you know especially with suicide there is so much taboo around it um, the rates are so high and unfortunately are so high in men, especially because of that kind of non-talking, non-understanding culture. You spoke yeah. a little bit about those first six months. Were they really like, were they the hardest times for you? You know, was there anything where you thought, gosh, this is really like rock bottom and I need to pull myself out yeah. of this? To me, it was like, um, I've never actually felt suicidal myself and I've never struggled with um, depression or anxiety. And so for me, it was more the fact that I couldn't understand, like I wanted desperately to understand, but I just couldn't. And so I was determined to understand what it felt like to be very depressed and to have severe anxiety or chronic anxiety. And I also wanted to know what it felt like to come to that point where you took your life. And I got all of those. Um, And it was in that first six months that I actually also tried to take my life which I'm obviously very happy it didn't happen but I do believe that I needed to get to that point for me to turn everything around because otherwise I was never really going to embody or truly understand what it felt like to get to that point and make peace with it and I'm not saying that that is okay it's just for me personally on my journey I I needed to completely understand and and to get to a rock bottom as well for me to turn things around. And, you know, I never looked back after experiencing what it felt like to suffer with, um, yeah, like severe depression and not wanting to be here and that kind of thing. I was just going to say, I'm so sorry that you knew, you, knew you reached that point. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you've sort of come out the other side of it. And I think it is a really scary side of grief that we don't talk about that much. <laughs> you sort of spoke about how you initially went for like conventional therapy and, you know, went down the conventional line. What did that entail and how did you find it? OK, well, conventional therapy was, you know, I was trolling the Internet and, uh, the, and with doctors and everything. So. Uh, first of all that was grief counselling and I went to numerous amounts of grief counsellors and what's strange is that the structure that they go by is like the five stages of grief so that's uh, pretty much the mainstream process that was something that I felt really suffocated in the parameters of the five stages of grief you know mm-hmm. compartmentalizing um, a grief strategy is just for me it felt borderline insanity but you know the lady who actually created that never really created it for people that had lost someone so it really has kind of got misconstrued along the way and also with uh, suicide loss groups as well so a community of people that were all there I mean that was really helpful to have a community of people for sure um, although it can be quite triggering as well like everybody's uh, perception and like uh, their outtake on suicide is all very different within a room so sometimes it can be a little bit more like a hot debate <laughs> kindness or compassion 
but albeit still very good. But with the conventional side of therapy, that was medications, that was antidepressants, beta blockers for anxiety, uh, sleeping tablets for night terrors. And so I was on a cocktail of medication that I was prescribed over the phone. Uh, I never actually met with the doctor. And then I was also given um, once a week grief counselling with the five stages of grief, but actually felt a little bit more like that was a research project um, delving into my brain of what it's like to live with somebody, live live, um, in life after suicide loss, rather than it being uh, receiving any like tactics or um, help or guidance along the way. So I guess from there, I ended up leaving thinking that this would be the job that I would create for myself in the world to be able to offer uh, something that's just not a one-size-fits-all kind of yeah, process, I suppose. Yeah, it's incredible, actually, because listening to you speak about those those five stages of grief, it's something that I really, like, run away from that idea because there's not, it's you know, it's not like a tick box exercise. You don't, like, go through the stages in any order. <laughs> but you don't necessarily yeah. even go through all of the stages, like you can hit different things at different times in your life and then you have huge kind of I don't want to say like reverting into old ways because you're not every time that you have a bad day doesn't mean that you've gone back a step and I think that's my problem with that theory so the idea that you know you're building this kind of self-healing and spiritual healing so that you really understand how it's impacted you and you can be present and you can reflect is a really powerful way of learning about grief and learning about life after somebody's after somebody's died and how to continue after that can you tell us a little bit about the the kind of work that you do and the things that you found in that in that spiritual side of healing yeah well originally um when I went down that path it was just to connect with my brother it was never actually about me healing because I didn't really know what that meant or how that looked because again society is uh, kind of um, sort of points you in the direction of conventional grief therapy. So spiritual healing wasn't on the radar for me to actually heal myself. It was for me to connect with someone who was a spiritual teacher for me to connect to my brother. But that's not how it was. (laughs) So for me, it started off with delving deep into the body. So trauma lives within the body. It doesn't necessarily live just within the mind because we're multidimensional beings and it's multifaceted how we survive after trauma and so when we're talking and we're using our logical mind or our conscious mind it's really difficult to make any fundamental changes because we're only using such a small percentage of where the trauma actually lives so we started doing a lot of work where we would bypass the analytical mind and drop very deep into the body where the trauma lives that's when it's called somatic healing really Um, and so when we have such low vibrational emotions that are living within us I mean it lives within our cells tissues fiber muscles everywhere Uh, it affects our whole uh, brain chemistry and our DNA and so then when I started healing from the body then uh, and releasing all of that fear the, the blame the shame the despair the emptiness all of those lowest 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 painful emotions that a human can possibly endure when we started to like upheave those or unearth those and integrate them and then become a lot lighter and become a lot more vibrant your frequency naturally starts to rise and so your energy becomes a lot more vast and a lot more expansive and then only then when my vibration was a lot higher my frequency was a lot higher then I was able to communicate with my brother 
And so at first it was simple exercises, like being able to feel his energy and being able to walk around a room, for instance, with my eyes closed and tap into where his, where his energy was or becoming like a human pendulum so that I was able to be moved or swayed by my brother's energy. But only when your vibration is high, are you able to become like a prime frequency match, for instance, because when you don't, when you no longer have your body and you're a spiritual being, obviously their vibration is very, very, very high. And when we're suffering as humans, our vibration is very, very, very low. So ultimately I was healing myself in order to connect to my brother. So it was kind of like a double whammy. <laughs> yeah, and the more that I realized that this was how I was able to connect with him, obviously the more I wanted to do the difficult trauma release and the difficult healing work because it was like the golden ticket in order for me to be able to, to reach him. And then it's taken like two and a half years of advancing that. Um, and yeah, I've still got a long way to go, but where I am now in terms of reestablishing my relationship with him and life after life is incredible you know and like so many of us after we've experienced trauma and grief a lot of us have that innate knowing that our loved ones are still around and you know mm -hmm. we live in a day and age as well where modern science bridges spirituality so you know it's not going to be much before long where all of this is is, is proof even a lot of it right well a lot of it is already proof that we uh we don't rely on our bodies to for our consciousness to exist yeah and I'm yeah, just finding all of this stuff so so interesting honestly like listening to you it's um it's really eye-opening and so interesting to hear you talk so honestly about it what was it like when you first sort of could feel your brother's energy like how did that feel for you okay so like the very first time was in the shock stage so in the very beginning and a lot of us will say this as well that you know when we go through shock we're in the ultimate state of presence because we're not going to work we're not worried about what's happening on whatsapp or watching tv also we probably haven't been eating very much as well so our body as a vessel is very pure and it's that state of presence and that state of shock we're almost like a monk like we're very 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 alert hyper vigilant hyper alert that's when I started to feel my brother's presence a lot of the time then. And, you know, you kind of think you're crazy because it's like, is this actually happening or am I clinging on to something? But I was like, no, 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 it's happening. It's happening. I can mm. hear him and feel him. And it was just wild. It was beautiful. But after a while, I didn't know how the rituals or the ceremonies or how to invoke him or how to call him in. And, I, you know, there's so much fear around, like, am I doing it wrong or could I be calling something bad in? And, so I kind of felt a little bit overexposed and wasn't sure how to work with it. But then eventually after the shock wears off, you're coming more three-dimensional. And so you are going to work and you're starting to feel more feelings of hate or anger or, you know, you're digesting food more. And you, uh, maybe illnesses have started to kick in as well, where your immune system just completely flaked in the first six months. Things like that can start happening. So a lot of people then say that they feel their Spirit, the, the spirit of their loved ones is more distant or they're not visiting them anymore which is like a reconditioning of them believing that perhaps what they were experiencing was just misleading or it didn't really happen and that's kind of like the stage and the time where you really want to cultivate that belief that you have and lean into it and trust it because you can call it back at any single time um, but sometimes you know when you leave it for such a long time you can really reprogram yourself and just start looking at the world again just just like it's a painful place to be or that 
you know maybe you were done over or but there re there really is like a whole other world out there so if 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 there uh, if you have that innate knowing and that trust like my god leaning into that just offers like a whole other world really of healing as well and it's like you're not passively giving away your power to external sources which mm -hmm. uh can be really normal to do in the beginning but instead you fully participate in your own healing journey by claiming all of that power back to yourself and all of it is done when your eyes are closed you know pretty much when you are in like a very meditative state or like a trance state and that kind of thing um it's really interesting to hear you talk about you know that well when you're actually kind of not paying attention to the rest of the world you know in that shit in that state of shock you know we yeah. quite often we talk to people and I personally had loads and loads and loads of dreams when my dad was present and I really felt him around me those weeks following his death because I wasn't paying attention to anything else like it was the only thing that I was doing I was looking at photos I was talking about him I was sharing memories like you're living so much in that moment which is all encompassing of that person and so of course at that point it's almost easier for them to to contact you or for you to feel them around or to feel them in your dreams yeah. like now you know months down the line it's when you know when it's around an anniversary or there's something big happening in my life where he appears in my dreams or you know I really feel like I can talk to him or you know just sit and feel that he's around me or you know that kind of thing I've never really leaned into it quite as much as as, as you're talking about now but it is so interesting to hear that side of how it works you know so we talk a little bit about signs and symbols and you know I like robins and that's my thing for my dad like you know I'll ask him I will say out loud you know can you send me a robin and one will appear on a branch within a few minutes and that's yeah. my way of connecting with him do you you know do you have signs like that yeah for sure I mean um like okay so earlier it's like following the breadcrumbs and the more that you ask the more you receive and the more you trust the more you receive so in the beginning it was always um yep yeah, feathers uh but I never got birds but it was always feathers coins um feeling him around and then the other one was um numerology so numbers and what happened is I had difficult decisions to start making in my life in terms of moving countries and selling businesses and stuff like that and I said I'm going to make all of these decisions based on signs and synchronicities. That is it. And so every single thing I started to see, I started to question. So, you know, for instance, one day I would see a Taurus sign, then an Aries sign, which are our star signs. And then I would see his initials somewhere. And then later I would see my initials somewhere. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm just seeing all this stuff everywhere. This is, this, this is my decision now. I'm making a decision based on the fact that I have seen all of this. So that was it. No other re rhyme or reason. And I live by that now. Every single decision I make, I say, I'm going to look at the synchronicities and the signs that I am receiving from you. And then that will, that will determine my decision. But then eventually what happens is when I started doing the body work, so actual trauma release, that was when things started to really escalate. So I've had I, astral projection, astral travel, uh, imagery, uh, visions, lucid dreaming, um, 
like symbols and color, uh, my, my my body moving, my hair moving, things like that. Um, what else? Yeah, light objects. Oh, and another one that I'm doing recently is meditative journaling, which is where I surrender my hands and then I say, take over my hand and then you do the writing. So I call my brother in uh, and then there's like a process to it. But I do that and then I just let my hands move. I keep my eyes closed. And then sometimes there's just pages and pages that I just read afterwards, which is all come from him. And so you really can open yourself up in any way and ask for anything. You know, we don't have to just follow the, I mean, the birds and the feathers are brilliant because there's so many of them. We can ask for them and we're going to keep getting them. But really, you can get quite creative. That's amazing to hear that. I mean, I would have considered myself quite a spiritual person, but hearing all of that sounds incredible. And, you know, you sort of saying about um, tapping into that, you know, if, if you're already feeling a little bit spiritual, you know, like your your common signs that you get from, you know, you've spoken about birds and feathers and, and coins. If that's how you feel, then you should really lean into it. So I think this is this is such an interesting conversation and it's such interesting work you can do. And I can really see why you've, you know, you've really gone down into this work and it's become your life. And one of the questions we were going to ask was, um, have you found a new discovery, a new positivity since your loss? And clearly this is it, you know, this is, it's your life now. It's your work, it's your passion, you're helping other people. And it's so devastating that you, you lost your brother, but to be able to be doing this, helping yourself, still being in touch with him and helping other people is really incredible you know there's free will and there's destiny and I feel like everybody has the chance in their lives to exit at any time that they want to I don't know if my brother's passing was something that was um always going to happen but it doesn't need to have it doesn't it doesn't need to be that everything has to happen for a reason but I can make the reason from it if that makes sense and I said that the week after he passed away that this won't be something that happens in my life this will be something that completely destroys and then takes over and creates a new life for me because Mm. this you know like the people that I connect with now and the purpose in my life has so much more meaning and to actually be able to really help people and then to open their eyes to how they can self-heal but the power of their subconscious mind as well to completely transcend time and space to connect to their loved ones this isn't something that you have to go to mediums and clairvoyance for you know this is something that each and every single human being can can learn how to do it just takes practice and it just takes some time the path of suffering can be as graceful or as disgraceful as you want it to be and I just think that there is so much purpose that can be used from your pain and be able to help that many people and so for sure it's, it's difficult <laughs> sometimes it's really, the other day I was out and I was like I can't believe I worked in suicide loss like how did this happen this is <laughs> it's funny isn't it because I think um I I definitely lean more into you know what would my dad do what would he say would he care you know should I buy even even little things like do you know what do I take 20 quid out of my savings to buy a takeaway tonight what would my dad say he would say just do you know what makes you happy and you know buy the takeaway and you can't take the money with you 
or you know me and my partner yeah. are looking at getting married and we're looking at venues and obviously a huge part of my day won't be the same because my dad won't be there for it but yeah. you're looking at places and we looked at somewhere over the weekend and as soon as we saw one picture of it we both started crying and it was like well that was a really like overwhelming feeling of how I never felt like that about somewhere and it was really it was just really interesting and I haven't really you know thought very much about it until until this morning speaking to you because I think it is kind of probably I do it more subconsciously rather than like you know really channeling into it but no it's just interesting to think you know if I really did channel that energy and I really understood it then you know those having that connection with him still um, even more so than I feel at the moment you know is, is definitely possible and I think that's a lovely message to to give to people I think you know the work that you're doing and the work that me and Alice are doing in having this podcast and opening conversations about grief and exploring these different subjects especially around signs and symbols and connection to the afterlife because it's such a it's such a difficult and taboo subject you know I know you said earlier on that it possibly wasn't received very well by your family at points do you mind talking about that and how that's you know how that's actually impacted on your relationship with them and and the connection that you have with your brother I mean everybody's kind of gone and diverted in their own um their own ways there's there's some that have just heavily relied on like coping mechanisms and things like that and kind of just wallow in the in the pain and it's kind of um defined them and defeated them um whereas my dad and I took a different trajectory and then have actually gone the other way where it's like you know in order to connect you really need to be quite pure in terms of um Mm. diet or alcohol and food and things like that so they've been byproducts of the of the true meaning it's not actually been about I don't want to drink now I don't want to do this it's just that the connection is just more important and so you end up cultivating like a much healthier uh, lifestyle and environment which means that I mean your like longevity of life and health and wellness everything just completely benefits from it but we are spiritual beings having like a human experience and we're all energetically connected I mean this is why it's so easy for a tip as well like you and your you and your dad like all of us we're completely energy energetically connected to them so when you ask a sincere question or when you are looking for an answer you'll get it within the first three seconds you just want to make sure you're in a state of presence calm you're clear you've cleared your mind just set aside like a minute to yourself and then just go ahead and ask and straight away and then just every single time that you listen to that voice and you trust it that's it you're on the money you can't go wrong and yeah, I could share something. yeah so just listening to you say that um so like I'd said that um signs like for my parents is mainly just like music coming on at funny times and stuff like that like songs that resonate with me but um one of the weirdest like signs I've ever had from my dad I was sat at his um at his grave at his resting place and I was sort of sat there and I was feeling really really upset on this day and I just needed like a really big cry and an outlet and I was saying dad I was like dad like please like if you can hear me like just show me a sign that I need to know that you're here and like this bird flew over and I was like oh yeah like whatever you know I was like birds fly over all the time and then I walked to my car looked at my phone and I was ringing his number (laughs) and I was just like what on earth that is insane and that was literally like 
just the most bizarre thing ever because I hadn't called him or texted him in you know months and months and months maybe even like every year and then to look at my phone and I was ringing my dad I was just like oh my gosh and it was just insane so yeah I think if you do ask for signs you can you can get them and it's definitely something I've experienced in terms of like just leaning into that honestly more and more and more comes all the time and and make it make it your truth and make it real and like there is there's a like there's some amazing teachers out there as well that um Mm. you know with like with today like bridging modern science and spirituality together is uh quantum physics as well the fact that energy cannot be created and it cannot be destroyed and so we as humans are comprised of nine energy systems and the last and very least is an atom and inside the atom is nothing but energy we are not physical beings whatsoever we're merely just vibrating at a low frequency every single thing on this planet is made out of out of energy that's just all yeah vibrating and emitting different frequencies so when the physical body passes the energy that was keeping that thing moving is still alive that that enters into the physical body is still very much alive it can't be destroyed it can't be created it just transcends so it's just another energy force that's just moving and emitting a different frequency and energy so uh, that any all energy energy cannot be separated either so energy is just one thing you can't you can't compartmentalize it or separate it it all just merges into the one so that's where everyone says about like the interconnectedness and the non-duality and the oneness so for you to tap into another form of energy or another frequency it's just like going to the gym and doing leg day. It's just like training mm. another muscle. That's really interesting. And it's a great way to think about it. Can you tell us a little bit about your brother and, and the relationship that you had? Obviously, you said that you lived in Australia together. Had you been living for long out there together? Or, you know, you obviously were very close. Yeah, so my dad raised us and then uh, he'd done the Australia trip first when he was young. And so he always used to bang on about Australia. So I was the first one that was like, I want to go to Australia. So I went when I was 19. And then my brother Jack came a year after me. And then, um, yeah, we were, it was brilliant. Like we were there for, Jack was obviously a bit less because of him passing, but he was there for 10 years. And then I was there for 12. And then um, he had suffered with like depression and anxiety um on and off for a long time he'd go through spells but at this stage he my brother also suffered badly with um chronic back pain he had a bulging disc on his back and prior to his operations he was on a cocktail of like opiate based medication um and that would lead to his bladder not working so he had to wear a catheter um like couldn't sleep or things and so he was on five or six different types of medication uh which if he came off of them you would go into a psychosis which he did twice um because Oof. he didn't suffer with back pain anymore and he didn't um fully like he didn't feel like he was depressed and so he had come off and so he was a slave to the medication um and he was doing really well he'd gone into uni he was studying chemical engineering had a girlfriend jet ski boat dogs like not that that stuff matters but like on the outside looking in it was like oh my god he's doing so well like finally like he's got himself a girlfriend and he's out doing his hobbies and he's surfing and all that sort of stuff and like 
he's going to be an engineer, like he's going to be the first one to have completed a degree in our family. And I was so proud of him. And it was then, it was then when he was like, it looked, honestly, it just looked on the outside that everything's great. And then, yeah, it was like just, a, I knew, you know, as well, instinctively, he hadn't replied to a couple of my messages about my birthday. And, and that was common for him to do that when he wasn't feeling good. And it was that day and I just thought, something's not right, it's bad. And um, yeah, and then that was, that was the day, like, and it's actually his anniversary on, on uh, Saturday. Just the energy that is in your body at this time of year is just wild, like mm -hmm. uh, exercising, mm -hmm. eating, meditating, everything. I'm keeping in check of everything, but you know, you girls will know it as well. Like you just can't harness that yeah. extra energy that's moving around your body, can you? It's just like, ah. Yes, <laughs> I, I like totally agree. Like, oh. Yeah, it's just, you just have to just ride it out and then just do the best you can and wait for the time to pass. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I think, um, you know, leading up to birthdays and anniversaries, you're so right. It is it is just like this energy that you don't know what to do with it. And yeah, no amount of running, no amount of punching things, no amount of whatever it is that you're doing. It's so hard to sort of like control it. And I think you're right. Sometimes you do just have to sit with those like really negative emotions or like that really high energy. I find that I can feel quite yeah. agitated because you just don't know what to do with myself because my mind just feels like it's on overdrive I guess yeah 100% but here's a sign as well like the other day I was in the gym and I struggle in March like because of his anniversary and I just surrender and just say look if I have to stay in bed for a week I'll stay in bed for a week I don't care um but this guy came up to me at the gym and I've never spoken to him before he said oh um you look like you've got quite fit quite quick um, do you want to do this charity run? It's 30 Ks through the jungle. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. And then, uh, but I just said, I was just pretending to be interested, you know, and then I said, oh, well, I don't know, like, what's it for? And he said, oh, it's feeding a million families in Indonesia um, that that need the help because of COVID. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's something that's really good. And then I said, what date is it? And he said, it's the 27th of March. And I said, yep, I'm in. And he was like, don't you mm. want to know how much money you need to raise or how much, like, what you need to do? And I said, no, honestly, you're a stranger. And you've just come up to me and asked me to provide, raise money to feed families yeah. on the day of my brother's yeah. passing, 100%. I know. That's so yeah. lovely. I mean, that is, and that is like, you know, it's just one of those sort of everyday signs. Maybe there's people listening to this now and they thought, oh, well, maybe I, maybe I, they might think they haven't had a sign, but that in itself is a sign, I think, like you say. Yeah. It's just so interesting and it does feel really, like, really significant, I think, really significant for, for that person to come up to you at that time. You know, you were in that place at that time and he came and asked you about this thing, which initially you were like, oh, no, thank you. And then as soon as you found out the date, it was almost like, well, there's a reason why you're going to be doing this. Yeah. And wonder and what signs you're going to get when you're doing it. <laughs> that's what I was just about to say like this is how it works as well so that was a breadcrumb and so everything is interconnected right so now I'm thinking to myself right I've said yes to him I said yes to the universe now I'm letting that guide me now I'm going to turn up to this thing on Saturday what if I meet my husband <laughs> do you know what I mean like oh my god can you imagine <laughs> it's 
let's have a catch I up know. Next week, just so you can tell us what's happened <laughs> <laughs> it's so true this is how it works I'm like okay I'm in <laughs> so much and I and I love the way that you talk about science because I think like Alice said if you sometimes people can feel really bitter about signs because if you feel like you haven't had any you don't want to hear what other people are getting you don't want to hear that other people are having birds or you know songs coming on the radio or or you know they're feeling the person around them or feel really connected to that person if you feel so disconnected from the person that you love who's died hearing about other people experiencing signs can be really really tough and actually you talking about just just looking at everything as if it could be a sign um and like yeah. letting it lead you that's a really powerful and wonderful way to look at it and harness that harness that energy it's very methodical as well though to be honest with you like in terms of us being energetic beings when we are looking but when we're giving and receiving um especially when we want to receive right and be in touch with spirit, it really is very difficult for us to be able to see and sense that when we are very low. And some people can start to feel like the universe is perhaps against them, but it's never against us. It's always working with us and for us. So actually, the more that you go down your healing path and the more clear you become and you clear your energy channels, there is no other way as physics for your energy to start rising. And that means that your, your electromagnetic field, our aura, just becomes very, very sparse and very not sparse, becomes very vast and expansive. And so we're already more open when we become like a beacon of light. So we're very open to receiving. And the more that we heal, the more that we're living from our heart space, which is charged a lot harder and faster than 60 times more powerful than our brain. So our heart knows what's up before our brain can usually uh, comprehend it. And so it it is methodical in that sense. Like when we're very, very low and we're suffering and we're in that low vibrational state, unless we're very present with it and we are experiencing feelings of love, it's, if we're not coherent, it's quite hard for us to, to tap into that. So mm-hmm. it kind of asks everything of us, like the spirit to communicate well with us and that kind of thing. It manifests itself in ways by uh, us being, uh, us doing, participating in our own healing work. It's probably the best way I can put it. It's like, the gold is at the end of the rainbow, but you just have to really go through like the horrid trek of getting to it. It's like an initiation. And like every time that you up-level your consciousness, it presents its next level of like challenges and difficulties and things like that. Like the path to awakening or the path to healing is not pretty. It's very hard. (laughs) I think what really stood out for me and what you just said then, um, and please correct me if I've got this wrong, you said, your heart knows what's up before your brain can comprehend it and that just resonates with me so much on so many levels I think that's a really really powerful statement and there's all these studies as well where like people so you don't even have to put probes on the brain now for you to be able to read the information that's within the brain you can read it from the field that surrounds the brain because each of us have like a electromagnetic field that runs three feet all around us it's called like the torus field the energy comes in and energy comes out like information in information out and so the more traumatized or like the more painful the experiences and everything are within that field they come closer and closer into the physical body and they manifest later into like chronic fatigue or illnesses or diseases and that kind of thing 
but they've done all these researches where they have the probes which are uh, reading the brain and then they have uh, the probes that are on the heart and so the, someone will have um, a TV screen in front of them and they'll be showing images like scary snakes like or puppy dogs and love hearts and so all these different images that will spike fear or spike mm. love that kind of thing before the image is even displayed uh someone the the reaction from the heart before a puppy comes on will completely change before the brain has even comprehended what it's seen wow. so the heart a lot of people like a lot of the teachers that I worked with always said that the heart is essentially the real brain You've given like some really really great advice for people who maybe are looking to get into like signs or like looking to tap into their spiritual side I was just wondering to finish up whether you'd be able to give some advice for somebody who's maybe lost somebody to suicide I mean other than looking up your Instagram and getting involved <laughs> <laughs> okay well I would say that that path of suffering it really can take you two ways of thinking or swimming and the first thing I would say that to always trust in your first instinct if you believe that they are around especially in those early days when everything is very present when you're feeling your loved one around and you're tapping into like the signs or the synchronicities or even feeling their energy, uh, hearing them and that kind of thing, like hold on to that, hold on to that vision, what that means to you and how that feels, because this is something that you can come back to at any given time and space. Suicide, unfortunately, it handicaps us and robs us because it is such a complex grief. It's, it's PTSD, it's trauma, it's, um, night terrors, flashbacks, the, the, the whole lot, as well as grief. So it makes it very complex and hard to navigate your way through. Unfortunately, we live in a time where suicide prevention, there's movements for that for sure, but there's not so much in terms of suicide loss. I mean, apart from others that have experienced it themselves, healing spiritually for emotional and spiritual recovery is amazing when you can have things complement each other like psychotherapy where you're talking with your like cognitive cognitive brain um but then to heal subjectively with your feeling brain and your body and then ultimately connecting to, to spirit that way is a, it's kind of like something that's going to happen anyway um but to heal on all levels of body mind and spirit um is powerful and I would just say as well that they're still around you know again energy cannot be created or destroyed it can only transform so Rebecca you talked a bit about the work that you do can you share with us how people can get involved I'm um so I'm building a online suicide loss healing journey and um I've been building it for the last three months and I have about a month left so it's a four-week intensive spiritual healing journey for suicide loss survivors and um it is going to be group and there's a lot of self-study there's like three years worth of um like study and knowledge and uh, eastern and western philosophy and healing modalities and then once a week we meet up on zoom and we do group somatic healing journeys together um and so it's all starting from trauma release and then going all the way up to um to learning uh, about us being as like metaphysical beings um there's shadow work inner child work um energy work somatic healing there's tons of stuff and um ultimately so that we can learn how to communicate with our loved ones 
So I'm doing that and that should be launched in April. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grief Sofa podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review to help us reach new listeners. If you have enjoyed listening and would like to join us on the Grief Sofa, please get in touch on Instagram at the Grief Sofa or email us thegriefsofa at gmail.com.